I'm reading from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Good morning. Oh, was that? Ah, it's okay. Um, it's the end of my term. <laughs> and uh, I cannot tell you how glad I am to get to the end of my term. And uh, yeah, to just have six weeks ahead of me where I can, uh, can, can rest and, and recharge. Because uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a funny old year in schools. Um, it's been a funny old two years in schools. And it seems quite apt that we're talking about Jesus calm in a storm this morning. It's the last in our series um, of our Like Jesus series. And this one is Faith Like Jesus. Um, now, if you think I'm going to uncover the mystery of how Jesus had faith in God who he was part of. You are going to be sadly um, disappointed or amazingly relieved because I am not going to touch that mystery in any way, shape, or form. We're going to sit in that mystery and treasure it because that is something that if we could put God in a box and explain that completely, then that wouldn't be very much of a God at all. So we're going to park that for a moment. But this is a, this is a funny little story. It's a funny passage. Six verses at the end of chapter four. Very familiar story. One where, where you know, I grew up in, in, um, in Sunday school, Jesus calms the storm, and um, uh, yep, take it at face value, and that's all completely okay. But when I read that again in prep for this sermon, there were so many more questions that came up, and, and hopefully a few answers that we're going to share this morning. 
So let's put a bit into a bit of context. It's on that same day, on the same day. So what happened on that day? This whole chapter, it's only 16 chapters in Mark, and this whole chapter is devoted to one day in Jesus' life. And on that day, it was a five-period teaching day. Um, he had taught the parable of the sower, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the good seed, not hiding your light under a, under a, a, a bushel, and he'd probably done some extracurricular activities as well. And he was done in. You get to the end of a term or a busy day, and you are shattered. So just as he was, I love that, just as he was, he went with his friends and said, look, we're going over the other side. I need some space. I need some me time. I need to get away. I need to recharge. And I can trust you. And I need time to be me. Jesus was tired and he needed a break. And he was asleep so hard. It's in, in our family, we say, I could fall asleep on a chicken's lip. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, you are dog tired. And it's easy to forget that Jesus was God, but he was human as well. And he needed time to recharge his batteries. He had physical limitations. He could have said, give me all power so that I can overcome this humanity, but that wasn't the deal. The deal was that he was completely God and completely human and managed that path through that tension between those two things. And in Sophie's sermon last week, we were reminded how we need to take time and slow down and be present in the moment. And Jesus was showing that in this moment that he needed to rest. So where were they? They were on Galilee. Now, Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. A little bit of a geography lesson. You can't take the teacher out of me. So... Galilee is surrounded by mountains on three sides, and um, it's, it's a, a, a subject to north winds coming down and southern winds coming up, and we can get a kind of uh, swirling effect that is captured by these, these hills. And one minute, it can be as calm as a mill pond. And then you can, next minute, you can be in the middle of a terrible storm. And the best time of day to be on Galilee is in the evening because um, the thermal currents from the day, from the heat of the sun, um, have subsided and it's less likely that you're going to get a storm. But the seabed of Galilee is littered with hundreds of boats. It was an occupational hazard. Galilee is full of fish. It's a great place to, um, to make your living as a fisherman. But the hazards are there. 
The boats are big, they're probably as wide as, as the stage. And it's very deep to hold a big catch of fish. Stuart suggested that I make a boat out of cardboard. Um, but frankly, I wasn't going to do that. Um, big, flat bottom boats. The shore of Galilee is, is, isn't very deep. So the boats are flat, and as they go out then, they sit low in the water. But they weren't the only ones on the lake, and they were making the best choice at that moment. This is the right time to go across to the other side so that I can have some rest. And it's in this context that we find Jesus and the disciples, some of whom were, in, uh, were fishermen, out on Galilee, and their worst fears came to pass. A storm whips up, and the boat is taking on water. And the one person that they trust, who's taking them on an amazing life journey and is blowing their minds on a daily basis, is asleep. And all they can see is that they're done for. Have they made the biggest mistake of their lives? Can you imagine the fear and the panic? And it's in moments like these that what's in here comes out of here. So what do they say? Wake up. Don't you care that we're going to die? I'd never read that before. I'd, oh, I'd ne never taken it on board. Don't you care that we are going to die? Talk about a button-pushing moment. My button-pushing moment is when kids ask me, what's the point of learning maths? I'm never going to learn this. I'm never going to use this in everyday life. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and they said to Jesus, don't you care? The people who had been with him and saw what he was doing, shaking up the establishment, eating with the outcasts of society, the ones who had nothing, who were the, the lowest of the low, healing those who had no value. Lepers, they lived outside the city. The paralyzed people who couldn't earn their own, um, th their own way in life and were reliant on people being uh, charitable to them, the physically impaired. Earlier in, in Mark, the physically impaired man who was lowered through the roof by his friends because they needed something miraculous to be done because they'd got to the end of what they could do for him. The demon-possessed who were declaring Jesus um, as the Son of God don't you care? Don't you care 
Jesus knowing what was coming. That he was going to be beaten and whipped and rejected by everyone and nailed to a cross to take the punishment for our sin so that the way could be open so that we could have fullness of life and eternal life. Don't you care? So Jesus has been woken up from a deep sleep and the boat is rocking and the wind is howling and the water is splashing into the boat and this question is hanging in the air and he demands, a quest, uh, he demands a, a, an answer to that question. Stop! Be quiet. Be quiet. In that moment, he spoke in more ways than it is immediately clear in that text. Jesus spoke with power. The storm didn't just peter out. It stopped immediately. The word here, the Greek word here for stopping, is like coming to the end of a breath. Now, some people have got huge, you know, sort of breath capacity, but if you are running and you are exercising and you... It just stops. He calmed it. He said, no, stop. And it stopped immediately. The complete calm must have been overwhelming. Maybe at that moment, the disciples thought, oh, what have I just said? When they were faced with that power that Jesus had. Stop! Now I can talk to you. But more than that, more than the power, Jesus spoke as God. To the Jewish mind, God controls the weather. Only God controls the weather. And if we look back through the Bible, we see that, yes, Elijah prayed for it to rain and to stop raining and then to rain again, and, but he was praying to God who was controlling the weather. God controls the weather. That's the Jewish mindset. And it's all the way through Psalms. Psalm 65, verse uh, 5 to 8. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God, our Savior. The hope of all the ends of the earth and, the far, and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. 
or Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9. And this is, this is one of the, who is like you? No, nobody else is like you. Nobody else does this. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea, and the waves mount up, and you still them. That's who you are, God. And then there's Psalm 107. And uh, this is one of the prophetic psalms. And it's remarkable that this was written hundreds of years before this event took place. Psalm 107, 23 to 30. Some, of the, uh, some went out in, on the sea in ships. They were merchants on mighty waters. And they saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and down to the depths. You can see the, the picture that, uh, of, of the turmoil of the Sea of Galilee. They mounted up um, to the depths. And in their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. And he stilled the storm to a whisper. And the waves and the sea were hushed. And they were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Do you see these passages? They all don't just say Jesus, uh, or that God is, um, is able to calm the storms. They say something about God's character as well, that he has unfailing love, that he um, is faithful and surrounds us that he is righteous. In that moment, Jesus is not just revealing his power, but he is revealing to the disciples his identity and his character as well in a really uh, mind-blowing way. Because it's very easy to forget that the disciples are learning on the job. We've got the whole picture. We know the story beginning to end. But they didn't. They were walking with this guy who was amazing. He was their rabbi. He was their teacher. He was the one he, that they were following who spoke with an authority that they hadn't actually come across before, who ate with them, who was healing people in God's name, who was tired and, went and, and fell asleep. His teaching was 
different to the orthodox message they were hearing in the synagogue, and he was mixing things up. He was fun to be around. And he was there for everyone. And maybe they were thinking, could this be Messiah? Whatever that meant to them. Because Messiah was perhaps somebody who was going to rescue them from the, from the Roman occupation. But now this person, this man, is controlling the wind and the waves. That's a different league. That's a different league to anything that we've seen before. So the storm has stopped, and the disciples are blown away. And Jesus has two things to say. And there's one translation that says that Jesus rebuked them. And none of the other translations say this. He's, they just say, he said to them. And I believe that Jesus spoke to them in the most gentlest of ways. In a way that was helping them process what they had just witnessed. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Not why were you afraid? Why are you afraid? Well, I was scared at the storm, yeah? And I was scared that you didn't care about me. But now, why am I afraid? Well, you've just done that. Now I am afraid of, of, of what I am witnessing. The disciples' fear, and the word fear gets used twice here in, in, in our English translation, but they're two different words in Greek. The, the word for um, the fear when they were in the storm was demos, which is scared. You know, when you're just scared of something happening. And they're fear had been transformed from demos to um, fear which is phobos, which is an awesome, respectful fear. So they'd gone from being scared to being in awe of who God was or who this person was and scared because they're just thinking, I, I just don't know what's going on here. The one who controls the weather had saved them. They had seen that their prayer has been answered in an extraordinary way, and God's care and love for them had been clearly demonstrated. And then he asks, do you still have no faith? They had no faith, do you still have no faith? Has anything changed? You were fearful and you were frightened and you didn't have faith in that moment. But do you still have no faith? 
now that you have seen what I can do. They're facing this big revelation. And it's going to take some time for them to process it before they have the confidence to be able to say, yes, you are my Lord and my Savior. And they are asking, who is he? Who is this person? Because to actually make the jump that this person is God, this man is God, that's a big mental jump to have to make. And potentially, for them, they would feel that it is blasphemous that they are saying man is God. Let alone being able to say it out loud. But they have seen an act of God coming from this incredible man. And they have taken a huge step forward in their faith. So how, how does this apply to us? Why are you afraid? Why am I afraid? What are the storms that we are facing? I don't know about you, but I feel that society, the level at which we are feeling fear and anxiety has gone from here to here. It might be that you're frightened about job security or the war in Ukraine or Sri Lanka or inflation or health. How many of us know people who are waiting on an operation and the hospital waiting list situation and the political uncertainty and relationship problems and climate change and petrol prices. Who else has the app on their phone to find the best price of uh, petrol in the local area? It's fear. And that's what Jesus was calling out. Don't, don't be afraid. You know, And you can do everything right and still be caught in the storm. The disciples were on Galilee, and they were on Galilee at the right time of the day. They knew. They saw other people on the, on, on the lake with them. They read the signs. Everybody thought it was going to be okay to be on the lake. And they were at night, so it was okay. And, and they were with Jesus. So it was going to be okay. but they still got caught in the storm. Sometimes storms are of our own making, but other times they're not. And they just come and they hit us and we just don't know where we're going because we've lost control. And in the middle of the storm, it's all too easy for it to get all our attention and to think that God doesn't care. But it's exactly in that moment that we need to be reminding ourselves of who God is and his character. Our faithful God who gave up everything for us. 
who at the very core of his being is love and compassion. He is almighty creator God who holds the universe in his hand and delights in us and wants a relationship with us. And that's where our focus needs to be. Do you still have no faith? So what does it look like to have faith in the storm? Should the disciples have not woken Jesus up? Should they have just gone, it's going to be fine, Jesus is here, we're going to get to the other side. He said we were going to get to the other side, it's going to be fine. And the water's filling up the boat. I don't know. They might have died. We're not promised that everything is going to turn out okay. From experience, we know that's true. We have friends who have died too soon, and we have faced circumstances that have not gone in our favor. This is not what God promises. He does not promise that everything is going to be okay. Thank you. Oh, brilliant. There you go. Oh, and it pops. There you go. What God promises. is that everything works together for good. That the trials in our life is developing a character in us, a perseverance and a godly character. And he promises that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. Can you imagine what awful people we would be if it was all going to be okay? And we knew that any circumstance that we were in, it was going to get sorted because we're going to pray for it, because we had faith. Our bad back, sorted. Our job promotion, sorted. That's, that's not real. But what we do know is that God is with us in the middle of our storms, And he cares. So perhaps it's knowing that God is good and that he's going to help us in our difficulties even when we don't understand what's happening and why it's happening. Should the disciples have woken up Jesus? Yes, yes, I think they should have done. What should they have said? because we know you care. Not that you don't care. Help because we know you care. And um, as the band comes up, I just want to finish with looking at an example of, of faith. 
in Daniel 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where Nebuchadnezzar is making everybody bow down before a big golden statue. And they were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And this is what they say. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know that your majesty that, he, that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold image you have set up. That's faith. Sticking with a God who we know has delivered us and is faithful and true and loving and knowing that even if he doesn't, deliver us he's still worthy of our faith because he cares for us and that's faith hanging on to the on to the promises of God and his character trusting in God no matter what's happening in my life because God says I am with you I'm never going to let you down. I am good. And I'm going to be over there because this morning um, I know that people are fearful. I know that people are facing their fears and are anxious. And I'm going to be over there to pray with people and other people will be there too. And if you need help in facing those fears and refocusing on the God that loves you more than you could possibly imagine, come. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, I thank you. Thank you that you are a God who loves us and knows us and will never, ever forsake us. And in the storms of life, you are God. And whatever's happening, we know that we can trust you even when we don't understand. Help us to fix our eyes on you, Lord. And know that we can trust you for everything that we need. In your name we ask it. Amen.